What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet, and today we are overthinking MTG, and we are doing it a little bit differently, because what can I say? I love messing with the format. Today, I am not going to be looking at a random card. I'm actually going to be looking at a very intentional card, and a card that recently rolled in on a pack in a draft, um, one of the new player drafts on Arena, and I have to say I'm a big fan, but that's another story for another day. Today, I want to talk about a particular card. A card that makes my heart sing. It's beautiful, it's strong, and in all the spoilers, I heard a lot of people saying, hey, you should probably keep an eye out for this one. And I remember looking at it thinking, nah, it's not that great. And then I actually got my hands on it, and oh my goodness, it's beautiful. And it's so beautiful because it allows a lot of cards that are in your collection right now, yes, you, I'm talking to you, Robert, I don't know why I just pulled that name out of there, but yeah, Robert, you, your collection, it can support this card right now, whether it's physical or in, in arena. And if it's not in physical for about 50 bucks, you can get the entire thing. So I'm going to, I, we're going to do a deck tech today. Um, we're going to, we're going to do a full on deck tech and we're doing that full on deck tech based around this beautiful, beautiful cat, Luris of the Dream Den. So Luris of the Dream Den is a legendary cat nightmare it is a three, two, for three total CMC, one and then two hybrid Orzov, so that's white or black. So mono white decks, it's fine. Mono black decks, it's fine. Or white black decks. It fits in so many places. Or anywhere where you have black or white, it just it, it fits. It's perfect. Okay, so it has companion. And if you're not familiar, feel free to go back to my Lutri episode um, where we discussed Companion in more detail. But I'll give you a, a high level. It basically functions like a commander if your deck meets a certain restriction that it establishes. Um, meaning that it starts the game out in, in your sideboard. So it does take up a sideboard slot in formats where sideboards are legal. And uh, from there, you can cast it once per game. So it doesn't it do, isn't affected by the tuck rule. It doesn't have any kind of commander tax or anything like that. Once it's in play, it's a creature, it's in play. But it's a card that you have access to right out of the gate. It just freely available because it's what, you, you know, because you have met the restriction. So it's basically an eighth card in your hand at the start of the game that you can plan around, which is really really great like i can't like it, it's surprisingly powerful like even bad companions just the fact that you get an extra card is really really good um so what is Luris's downside so in order for Luris to be your companion every permanent card in your starting deck has to have converted mana cost two or less now you notice what that says permanent has to be converted mana cost two or less. Now, that cuts out a lot of permanence. You are very limited on what permanence you can put into your deck. So every three-cost creature and up, out. Just completely out. That's like, you know, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I got to say, that's at least 60 70% of every creature ever printed, right? Like, that's pretty bonkers. And then, um, yeah, so, but it's not, it doesn't impact um, instants or sorceries. So that's interesting. So just th that's something to keep in mind. Um, okay, so that's a really hefty restriction. So what do you get? You get a 3-2 body with lifelink. All right, nothing wrong with that. And then during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. So if you take advantage of that deck restriction and really lean into it, um, you get some phenomenal value because this not only gives you additional cards in your hand, but it allows cards in your graveyard to become cards in your hand. Basically, 
everything has flashback for its its mana cost for one or two. Um, but the best part is, you went, you can flash it back and then it can go away and it can come back again infinitely. There's no stopping it. You you get your entire graveyard as an extension of your hand when Lurus is on the battlefield. So you want to talk card advantage? Holy cow! This thing is insane. So what can you do with this? So I have to say, um, huge shout out to, to folks on my stream. Um, cause we actually kind of, we, we did a little bit of work on this deck this morning. We kind of talked a little bit about it and a huge shout out to Ingolf actually. Excellent. Um, excellent streamer just starting out. Please do, you know, go check him out. He does a great job. And, um, he actually has, uh, he had a suggestion of Meyer's grasp and oh my goodness, the moment we added that to the mix, it just popped off. So but without further ado, let's get into it. Let's take a look at the deck itself. So what we're looking at here is, so Lurus of the Dream Den is our companion. Um, so Lurus is our companion. Also, I kind of, I believe Lurus is female because in the art, it clearly shows um, young so I'm guessing this is kind of the mama cat taking over. And also it's Lurus of the Dream Den. The fact that the den is called out in the name leads me to believe that that's kind of the vibe. So I get kind of a mama bear vibe, except she's not a bear. She's a cat nightmare. Um, yeah. So this mama cat nightmare um, is our companion. And all of our permanents cost two or less. So you'll you'll notice a couple of things here. One, I have all Seed of Life's Bounty because um, it's amazing. Now, the, the name of the game here is control the battlefield, get incremental value with card advantage, and whatever you do, protect Luris. Now, there's one little detail about Luris's design that is genius. The fact that Luris costs three, but her requirement is that all the permanents in the deck can only contain two means you only get one copy of her. Period. End of discussion. Now, that copy is available to you in your opening hand right out of the gate but you only get one. That's if you have her as your companion. If you wanted to build a version of this deck that had a couple of three drops, um, you know, three drop permanents, that's fine, but you would need to put four Luris in the deck itself, um, which is not the build I'm going for. I wanted to leverage that companion mechanic um, and make it so that I only need one. So the name of the game, get incredible value and just leverage that static ability and just get insane value out of it. So how do you do that? Protect Luris. And how do you protect Luris? Well, all seed of life's bounty is one thing. You can give it give Luris protection from whatever color is attacking you at the moment. Um, and on your next turn, with Luris's ability, you can just bring the all seed back. So Luris basically just has protection from whatever your opponent has with that, unless they're running some kind of graveyard hate, which, to be fair, they might. There's a lot of graveyard action in the meta right now. Then we also have Cauldron Familiar and everybody's favorite, Witch's Oven. So we are running that combo because, well, we need some way to win the game. And being able to eke your opponent down and being able to just kind of chew away their life total incrementally is the best way to do that. It's just it's just consistent. It's It, it works. Plus, on top of that, with uh, Lurus available, even if your Cauldron Familiar ends up in the, in the graveyard without access to a food token for whatever reason, you can just cast the Cauldron Familiar out of your graveyard. Also, if they manage to break your oven, Unless they exile it, you can just pull it right back out of the graveyard. It's so good. Okay. So then, additionally, we have the aforementioned Myers Grasp. And the reason that that's in here is because it combos beautifully with Hateful Eidolon. So here are two... That works in a couple of different ways. Hateful Eidolon is a wonderful turn one. Now, note, it also has lifelink. So you have a lot of little creatures that are gaining you life constantly. So you're constantly gaining life. So against aggro strategies, you have these little one-two bodies or these little 1-1 one, one bodies that are just soaking up hits 
and just ch chump blocking all day and you're just recurring them over and over and over with Luris. Now, if you don't get your access to All Seed of Life's bounty, what other ways can you use to protect Luris? The other, the other ways that are in this deck are Kai's Ghost Form. Now, in a lot of cases, you try to do fun combos with Kai's Ghost Form. All it is in this deck is an insurance policy. It's a shield that you slap on Lyris. That's it. That's the main goal. And again, if somebody manages to destroy Lyris or exile Lyris, she's going to come right back in with Kai's Ghost Form. Kai's Ghost Form is going to go into your graveyard on your next turn. Whoop, whoop. You just slot it right back onto Lyris. Now, one thing to keep in mind with that, if your opponent is running black spot removal, do not, under any circumstances, well, I can't say any circumstances because a crazy circumstance might be out there, but do not use All Seed of Life's bounty to give Luris protection from black while Luris has Kaya's ghost form on her because with protection, uh, enchantments will fall off. So that would result in your Kai's Ghost Form effectively being useless. Meanwhile, whatever they're hitting Luris with, because Kai's Ghost Form protects when it, if it goes into exile or if it gets destroyed, in all likelihood, uh, you'll be able to just let Kai's Ghost Form resolve. And then if they come back and try to hit you again, that's when you would use All Seed of Life's Bounty. Also, there is a fringe use case that Kai's Ghost Form allows you. It kind of gives Luris vigilance if you have Witches up and down. Because one of the things you can do, Luris is on the battlefield. You cast your one card from your graveyard. Let's say you put Kai's Ghost Form, or let's say you pull the Witches Oven out if you already have Luris with Kai's Ghost Form down. You can sacrifice Luris to the Witches Oven. Luris will die. And now, you could have attacked already, so you swung in with her. Um, you know, she dealt her damage. You gained your life. That's the other thing. If you, you see the theme here, you're constantly gaining life. Your opponent is constantly losing life incrementally. And um, so once Luris is tapped, what you can do, tap Witch's Oven, sacrifice Luris, you get a food token, Kai's Ghost Form resolves, Luris comes right back untapped, and now Luris is a different permanent, meaning you can cast another permanent out of your graveyard. And that can be an All Seed of Life's Bounty, that could be the Kai's Ghost Form that just fell in there, or that can be a Meyer's Grasp or Deadweight to kill your opponent's things. So... One thing that I've seen happen with this deck a couple of times now is my opponent will set up a value engine with two or three little creatures, and that can be a their own Cruel Celebrant, that could be their Elseate of Life's Bounty, that could be their Healer's Hawk, their Johnny's Pride Mates, that could be, it could be any, any number of things. Um, Priest of the False God, oh my goodness, it feels so good to drop a Deadweight on Priest of the... Oh, Priest of the Forgotten Gods, that's the one. It feels so good to drop a Deadweight on a Priest of the Forgotten Gods, I cannot tell you. Um, as someone who loves that card, I do love beating it too. Um... So the thing is, what what can happen is, if your opponent has two, like if they have a couple of two drops that they've worked their first couple of turns to build up, you know, they have a couple of two drops, maybe a couple of one drops, what you can do is, on your turn three, you know, you could drop a dead weight, kill one of them, and then when the dead weight goes to the graveyard, you can then throw it back out onto another one. And if you have a Hateful Eidolon in play, while this is all happening, with each one of those kills, you also draw a card. So you're filling your hand, you're putting resources into your graveyard that you can pull back out with Luris, and also... All of a sudden, as the game progresses, you're going to get access to more and more of these as you just naturally draw through your deck. And so what ends up happening is you end up with a graveyard full of Myers Grasps and Deadweights. And near the end of the game, you can just spend a lot of mana and just pull a bunch out and just stack them up on top of bigger creatures. You know, because what else are you going to do at that point? And so the whole point of this deck is to build up a ton of incremental value with a lot of little cards. That's the whole idea. Now, other things you can do. If you don't have access to All Seed of Life's Bounty or Kai's Ghost Form for any reason... The other thing we do, we do have three copies of Call of the Death Dweller in here. What Call of the Death Dweller is, you'll notice it costs three, but fortunately it's a sorcery. 
Return up to two target creatures with total converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Put a death touch counter on one and put a menace counter on the other. Now, we are already filling our graveyard. We're already doing nasty shenanigans with that. So we'll probably have some access to, to the things in our graveyard. Also, you'll notice it says up to two target creatures. You can just target one, and that one can be Luris. So if Luris dies, you can actually use Call of the Death Dweller for three mana to pull Luris back out. And now, not only do you have a 3-2 lifelinker with all this you have a 3-2 lifelinker with the engine of the deck built onto it, but now it also has Menace and Death Touch. Because, you know, you needed more. So, I, I, yeah, it's a load of fun. This is so good. Now, the only card that we haven't really touched on, well, Cruel Celebrant is an accelerator. It works alongside your Cauldron Familiars. And then, Sleeper Dart. Now, this card I added in for one very simple reason. If the if it is later in the game, or if you don't quite have the engine that you need online, this card allows you to effectively cycle it and get some and get a tempo play on the board. So you pay two of any color, it goes onto the battlefield, and then you draw a card. That's the important part. If it wasn't for that, there's no way this would be in the deck. So this helps you dig through your library if you're not finding, if you don't have what you need on the battlefield. And also with Luris, you can play it out of your graveyard. Um, you can also then tap, once it's on the battlefield, you can tap it, sacrifice it, and you can pin a creature down. Um, so note, it does not tap the creature, but if the creature is tapped, it will not untap during its controller's next untap step. So that's pretty useful. If you're going, to, if you're in a situation where your opponent has a couple of quick creatures, or they have something like a Knight of the Ebon Legion that is very powerful that comes down early, and you just need to slow it down for a second to get your engine online, Sleeper Dark can help you get there, and it helps you dig through your deck in the process. And then you can also recur it out of your, out of your graveyard if you have to. So what ends up happening is with cards like Sleeper Dart, um, if you have Luris and Sleeper Dart and nothing else, that's that's it. That's all you have you do have a lock on one of their creatures. Because the moment they tap it, they will never untap it again. You have to spend two mana every single turn to do it, but you also get to draw an extra card. Because what you do is you play Sleeper Dart, tap it, sacrifice it, pin the thing down. Once it's in your graveyard, you then pay two with Luris, pull it back out. On your next turn, you tap it, sacrifice it, etc., etc., rinse and repeat. So there, there is a soft lock you can do on strategies where people are focusing on building um, on building out large creatures. So it's a soft lock. It helps you kind of get into the game. That's why it's in here. Um, this deck is still very new. As you can imagine, as I'm recording this, Ikoria has actually only been out for, well, one day to the public, and I literally cracked this in a draft at last night when I really should have been asleep. Um, so I haven't had much time to actually put this together, but with a little bit of tweaking, I honestly believe that this deck has the potential to be excellent. Expect to see some version of this as you're laddering. I don't know what else is going to be out there. Um, I do suspect Sultai Mutate is going to have some kind of version that's pretty nasty. I want to see Mardu Humans become a thing, but I don't know if there's enough support. We'll see. But I do know for sure this deck with Luris is incredibly potent. It gets the job done. Um, just a, a little bit ago, I went up. Against, I kind of wish I had been recording it for it. Actually, I went up against a deck that had an Ashiok Nightmare Muse unchecked on the battlefield for about seven turns, and I beat them handily with no permanence left on the battlefield at the end because Meyer's Grasp and Luris was a perfect counter to the Planeswalker value engine where they're creating tokens constantly. If you're going up against to token decks, the Myers Grasp Deadweight recursions are incredibly valuable because for every single time your opponent can create a token, you can destroy it. So what this deck 
lacks in overall power, it makes up for in repeatability and consistency. Once it gets going, it is almost unstoppable. At least that's been my experience so far. Um, yeah, it's just, it's rock solid. I, I really enjoy it. And it actually plays very much like a control deck. You don't swing as often as you might think. Um, and you're killing a lot of creatures on board. So this is definitely an Orzhov control where you nickel and dime your opponent to death. Actually, maybe this is a standard death and taxes build. Maybe that's what that is. Um, I don't know. I'll have to do a little bit of research. I don't know if it quite qualifies. But yeah, this is just a ton of fun. Highly recommend. And as you could notice, the vast majority of these cards are commons and uncommons. You know, all seed likes bounty, color familiar. These are just uncommons from recent sets. And then we have cards like Deadweight, Kai's Ghost Form. We have Omen of the Dead in there as another way of pulling Luris back. And that's also repeatable with Luris's ability. So if you want to get two things out of your graveyard on any given turn, you can pull Omen of the Dead out. Um, yeah. And then Cruel Celebrant, uncommon. Common, common. I mean, th it's the only rare or mythic in the entire deck is Luris at rare. That's it. Everything else in here is just worth dimes. Well, with the exception of the mana base. So I do have Temple of Silence and Godless Shrine in here. However, you could replace those with straight up basics, and this would still probably be pretty decent. Um, you know, those, those help make it a little more consistent. Plus, shocks, uh, shocking it in, or shocking in the Godless Shrine is not an issue at all with this deck because of how much life you end up gaining. So, you know, the mana base is the only real money in the whole thing. Take these out swap them in with basics and you have a budget deck that you could put together right now for probably around $20 that you could go to an FNM with. Well, that you could in theory go to an FNM with and really kick butt. So I think this is, I, I mark my words, this is going to be something in standard. And I got to say, it is my absolute pleasure to show it off and talk with you guys because I do think we're going to be seeing a lot of this. So this has been Luris of the Dream Den. Uh, she's a companion. She's a nightmare cat. She's kind of terrifying in a lot of different ways. And I got to say, uh, she has become overnight, literally overnight. She has become my new favorite companion for sure. Um, and I think one of my new favorite cards in Ikoria, and that's saying a lot, cause there's a lot of gas in this set. That opinion is probably going to change a million times. Stay tuned here to hear more about it. But for right now I'm on the Lurus train. We're having a blast. And, uh, yeah, and that train is going to take us all the way to the graveyard and back a bunch of times. So, you guys, thank you so much for hanging out. This has been an absolute blast. If you want to see this deck in action, please tune in to my stream, twitch.tv slash hamhocks42. I'm over there at 5.30 a.m. Eastern time every weekday. And, yeah, and you can also stay tuned to this channel, this show. You'll no doubt uh, hear more about me or hear more from me here in the near future. Thank you so much for hanging out. This has been an absolute pleasure. You guys are my favorites. And stay safe out there. I'll catch you next time.